Hello, my name is Miles Cheadle, and welcome back to another episode of the PS Plus. This is a Living Faith Bible Institute podcast, and it serves as a companion to another podcast called The Postscript. Now on that podcast, pastor and host Brandon Briscoe speaks with other pastors and professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute on a wide array of topics. And here on this podcast, the PS Plus, we cover more focused topics in a series format. And right now, we're moving through a series focused on Jesus Christ. This is actually our seventh episode in this series. And so if you've missed anything, I encourage you to go back and to take a listen. But in our last three episodes, we focus on the earthly ministry of Jesus, and most recently on his death. And today, we'll cover the most significant event in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But before we get too far, in episode four, I introduced the three offices of Christ. And we've been using these three offices to view really different seasons of Christ's ministry through. And so we looked at the office of a prophet as a lens to view Jesus's earthly ministry through. And over these next two episodes, as we look at the resurrected Christ and Christ's current ministry, we're going to consider the office of a priest. And so what is a priest? What does he do? A priest is a holy individual who functions to reconcile people back to God. And man, isn't that exactly what we see in Christ? Just as the priest in Leviticus 16 stepped beyond the veil before the mercy seat in the holy place with the blood of a sin offering for Israel, well, Christ, he ascends to the heaven, to the true holy place in the very presence of the Father, presenting himself as the offering for our sins once and for all. And so as Hebrews makes clear, Jesus Christ is our great high priest, and he lowered himself in his incarnation in order to call us higher in his ascension. Today, in considering the resurrection, we're going to consider at least two questions. The first is, did Jesus Christ really resurrect? And the second is, what does his resurrection mean for me today? And so, let's do this thing. So the first question on the docket today is, did Jesus really resurrect? And this is a serious question. It's a a very big question. You know, according to LifeWay Research, 20% of the polled professing Christians actually disagree with the biblical account of a physical resurrection. And 14%, they just weren't sure. They don't know what to make out of it. And so with that, 14 and 20, well, that's a third of this polled population of professing believers that are uncertain or or outright denying the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so this is a big deal. Some attempt to spiritualize the resurrection, others deny it altogether. And so today we're going to dig into why that isn't a biblical position And we're just going to consider a few simple proofs for the resurrection. And so our first proof for the resurrection is an empty tomb. Guys, his body's not there. Like you can go to to, to Israel right now and you're not going to find Christ's body. Why? 
Well, because his body resurrected and ascended to heaven. In John 20, we find Mary and the disciples discover an empty tomb with a stone rolled away. And this is a big deal because in Matthew 27, we see that Pilate intentionally sealed this stone, this tomb shut with a stone. And he set a Roman watch around the sepulcher. And this Roman watch, I mean, they would be securing this to prevent anybody from stealing or taking away the body. There is no way that this body was stolen. And furthermore, the most anxious people to recover the body in the nation of Rome, in the Sanhedrin, they never did. They couldn't find Christ's body. Also, if the body was stolen, well, first, it would have to be the, the greatest, I don't know, work of magic that this world has ever seen. They'd need like, you know, the, the, the first hypnotist in the world to lull this fleet of Roman guards to sleep so that they could roll away the stone, get in, take the body, and better yet, y'all, remember, whenever Christ is removed, his grave clothes, they stay. And so somehow they would have had to remove his grave clothes and take the time to gently fold it and put it right back in place as the scriptures outline. And so, of course, the empty tomb is one of the greatest proofs for the resurrection. But it gets better. There are eyewitnesses. As we read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which I encourage everybody that's listening to this, just forget what I'm saying and go read what the Bible has to say about this. 1 Corinthians 15, it is beautiful in speaking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and, and really what that means for us. But in verses three through nine, it lists out these eyewitness accounts, these proofs uh, of Jesus Christ's resurrection. In verse three, it says, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time, for I am least of the apostles, and I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And so here in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5 tells us outright that he was seen of the 12. Verse 6 tells us that he was seen of above 500 at once. And guess what, y'all? Those people, they're still alive today. Well, not today, but in the time that Paul was writing this letter to the church at Corinth, these individuals, they were still alive. And so they could go and you know confirm this with eyewitness, you know, these eyewitness individuals to his resurrection. How incredible is that? Verse seven, there is scene of James and the apostles. And so to put it plainly, in the first century, the bodily resurrection of Jesus, it was a fact. I mean, there were too many eyewitnesses just rolling around. They not only saw him, but they spent time with him. They touched him. They ate with him for 40 days following his resurrection. And so Jesus, just as he began his earthly ministry, 
with 40 days of temptation by the devil, right? This, this fasting. Well, he ended it with 40 days of confirmation and encouragement to his disciples. And so, yes, this is incredible. There are direct and compelling proofs for Christ's resurrection. There's an empty tomb. He was literally seen just walking and strolling around on the earth. But y'all, maybe the most compelling evidence for his resurrection, it's not these direct proofs. It's these indirect proofs. The testimony of a transformed life. You know, as we study the death of Christ, uh, we see this drastic change in the disciples that were following Jesus. Remember, during his crucifixion, it led to his believers being scattered. So Christ's death led to his believers being scattered. But guess what, y'all? They were reunited in the resurrection. Look at the disciples on the road to Emmaus. The fact of Christ's resurrection literally caused them to change their course. And y'all, by the book of Acts, the same disciples that denied Christ, that scattered at his death, they were now hazarding their own lives on claims of his resurrection. The reality of Christ's resurrection produced new men. Like these aren't the same guys that we see walking around following Jesus. They could now look certain death in the face and not be moved. It is incredible. And this is, I think, as natural of a segue as we're going to get to our final question, right? We see what the resurrection produced in the disciples of Jesus in the first century. And so the question for us is, well, what does that mean for me today? And I love this question because I've got an awesome quote from Pastor Alan Shelby. He says that if we take Christ's death and resurrection out of the Bible, then there is nothing left of eternal value for sinners and for saints. And so to put it plainly, it means everything for us today. His resurrection is proof that his sacrifice was accepted of the Father. And what does that mean for me? Well, it's proof for my justification. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 17 through 19. It says, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also, which are fallen asleep in Christ, are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. In the book of Romans, chapter 4, verses 24 and 25, it says, If we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised for our justification. Did you know that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if your soul is saved and sealed to the day of your redemption, then your justification like the, the reason that you're just as if you never sinned? Well, that's actually attributed. That ties back. You're standing justified is only because of the work of Christ's resurrection. He was raised again for our justification, according to the book of Romans. And so this is a very, very big deal. Because Jesus Christ resurrected, 
Well, it means I have hope, not just in this justification, but of a future resurrection, right? Guys, this is not only just a sacrifice that was accepted leading to our justification, but now we have a present hope in a future resurrection. Just as Jesus ascended to the Father, a future day comes where those who believe in Jesus Christ will be called up to glory as well, putting on incorruption. And in the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, man, we will all be called up. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that exciting? Doesn't that just give you the the warm and fuzzies inside? We have future hope because of what Christ did in the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Man, because he did that to Jesus, we can be full of hope that he's going to do it for us. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14, it says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And so if you've got believers that passed, that, that died before you, guess what? We still have hope in that. Why? Because Jesus beat sin and death and rose again bodily. Well, so will they. So will they. The resurrection of Jesus, it's miraculous. I mean, there, there's no way around it. But it also gives us hope. It points to a future bodily resurrection for every believer. That same resurrection power that brought Jesus from the grave, you know, that same resurrection power that sealed your soul, well, it will continue to work to the redeeming of your body. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Just, man, thank you, Lord. And that should motivate you. That should motivate you to get to work. And so whenever I consider, well, what does the resurrection mean for me today? Yes, it means my justification. Yes, it means my future hope. But it also means that I should go. Matthew 20, 28, 18 through 20. I mean, you guys know this passage. But after Christ's resurrection and before his ascension, Jesus gives the following charge to his disciples. He says that all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Hello, somebody. Go ye therefore. And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. You see, because of the resurrection, you have orders from the king to go as an ambassador. With the backing of the most powerful kingdom in existence to make disciples of everyone. The resurrection was my justification. It is my future hope, and today it is my wake-up call to get to work in the mission of a lifetime. Jesus wants so much more for you. Will you live in it? And so as I close, I have a simple question for you. Are you currently operating under the resurrection power of Christ, all power in heaven and in earth? Go ye therefore. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the PS Plus. I pray that 
The wonder of the resurrection is an encouragement for you to live boldly for Christ, knowing that in him, you already have the victory. And I want to be the first to invite you back to join us next time as we consider the current ministry of Jesus Christ. God bless.